Tom and Jerry's antics had nothing on this caper. It was the heist of the century. The cat is chasing a rat. No, it's a mouse. The mouse built a house in your subwoofer. It wasn't a house, it was a silo, a storage silo for cat food. Now, when you live in a house with five cats, you think one of them would catch the mouse. Especially if you had to run cat food to and from the living room or den room to the storage room off to the side that was rarely gone into. You think the cat has one job, a job to catch the mouse, but no, the cat doesn't care. Imagine my dismay at the discovery. I was shocked. How could this happen? Well. When I left it, it was in a room, but my brother needed the room, so he stuck it in the storage, but he didn't wrap it, secure it, or put a lid on the container that it was in. It was put in there with haste, and this is what brothers are good at, destroying your things, or stealing them, or selling them to somebody else. You never know. It's happened since I was young. I kind of expect it. So, I have to deal with the situation out of my discovery. I should know to take everything with me, but my car was only so big and I was driving across country. The question was, will it work again? Can I get this cat food out of my subwoofer? Is it even possible? Does it come apart? I don't know. Let me uh, untangle the wires and find out. I would love to hear from the listeners what their most unsettling finds were of equipment that they've left in the storage improperly, or someone else stored improperly. It should be amusing. But first, let me tell you what piece of equipment that I left and what I found. The system in question was a Sony DAV-X1B. This system was reviewed by Steve Gutenberg for CNET in December 2006. I had bought it in early 2007 along with a Bose 321 system to have two different 2.1 systems in my 900 square foot apartment, one bedroom apartment in New York City that also served as a home office and den 
There was an area with a Sony Bravia 50-inch HD TV, state-of-the-art for the time, cost $5,000, and I also had a projector unit in the living room. One of the systems, I interchanged them, but one of the 2.1 systems, either the Bose 2.321 or the Sony DAV-X1B, were used for either the TV, the computer, or the home projector. These were compromised units given the space and the design characteristics of what the other person living in the unit would want. So, life acceptance factor taken into account. Therefore, at the time, while I may have preferred a more audiophile system, these fit within my budget, being about a thousand dollars piece, and they fit in without having too many wires run across the room, in which occasionally could entertain potential clients, friends, family, and other people coming to visit. I liked their design, and they were good systems at the time. They both sound good for films especially. The Bose 321 system sounds a bit better for music than the Sony DAV-X1B, which sounds mediocre to okay for music for having several small drivers and tweeters, mid-range drivers and tweeters. While not compared to these systems, I would like to see how it stands up against the systems that I sent home. I have an X3500H Denim receiver with ELAC UB5s as the two front channel speakers, an ELAC debut 6.2 for surround, along with ELAC 5.2 center channel. So, when I was getting home, this being a system from 2007 that's been in storage for six or seven years, I was very curious how these would compare when hooked up against these modern-made speaker surround systems that would are well regarded in the community as to be very good. However, I couldn't find the Sony DAV X1B, and I had a bulging disc in my back, so I had to wait for a while to pull that out. I had tested the Bose 221, it works fine, and I hooked up the Denon surround sound with the ELAC speakers, and also tested them with Polk S20 speakers as well. But much to my dismay and my finding, was there was cat food rattling around my subwoofer. So I had to decide what to do with it and if I could get it out. So, as I pull the Sony DAV-X1B out of storage, a small amount of cat food comes out. And I thought, 
Well, maybe that was just a little bit of something that had got stuck in a box in storage. But no, this subwoofer is heavier than normal, and it sounds just like a marimba. <sighs> Exasperated, I asked my mother, why is it in there like this? What happened? Why wasn't it stored properly? Well, your brother needed a room, and, you know, what if you needed a room? And he needed it right away. Said he could have used the system in the room. It was perfectly good system. Now it's probably ruined. I don't know how much I could have got for it, but I probably could have gotten, I don't know, $100, $200 still. It was quite expensive to me. Well, you're the one that goes and moves across country. Okay, okay. I'll see if it works. So, I take the subwoofer outside, and I give it a good shake. Well, the cat food's starting to come out, but there's still a lot more in there. And it won't come out. Because, as much as I can get out and shake it, shake my marimba, at least it's making music that way, even if I don't know if it'll ever make music again. Size. Well, I shake it out into the flowers and the... Well, it's winter time, so there's no flowers, but the flower beds in the garden. And some insulation and things come out of it. Well, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know how it is. Okay, so I take it, I look at it in the light. Doesn't seem any way to get into this thing. Why aren't the screws accessible? Oh, I forgot. It's a 2.1 system. They don't actually want you to get into the, system, into the subwoofer or fix it yourself. They want you to send it for repairs especially after warranty, so you can pay them some extra money. Oh well. Let's see if it works at least. I think I'll plug it in. And I hook up the entire system, plug in the subwoofer, plug in two satellites. Oh my god, it works! That's incredible. I can't believe it works. I totally thought the mice would have chewed holes in the wires, internal wiring by then, or into the woofers. I think the unit has two six-inch woofers. Well, how does it sound? Well, it, these 2.1 systems didn't make an incredible amount of bass to set with. Well, it's rattling like a marimba if I put the bass up a little bit, but if I leave it on flat or just, a, you know, on a couple settings up, it supplies sufficient bass, and the rest of the system sounds pretty good. Boy, these DVDs look pretty nice on this system. Um, I think I even prefer it, how it looks to the 3.2, the 321 Bose system. And I have another uh, DVD player here, and that looks pretty good too, but I think this one actually looks better than the others. Well, Sony did something right. I just can't believe it actually works. Amazing. forget I also have two dogs there were four dogs during the time that it was in storage mostly so I think they would have caught the mouse too especially since they like chasing other things well one of the dogs names Rudy he was my brother's dog he's got funny teeth he had to get one of them pulled 
but he begs for food. Urgh. 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 Give me something. Give me something. And he'll eat pretty much anything. So, I caught him in the garden going after the cat food that was in the subwoofer that probably had mouse turds inside of it too. Now, you have to understand something. I live on a farm. This isn't all, you know, suburban, clean, all the time. I live in the middle of a field. Mice get in, the cats catch them. Eh, sometimes they eat their heads off. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the dogs go chasing groundhogs. And sometimes this dog likes to chase the roosters. But the roosters are bigger than him. So, eh, they're not too afraid. But he'll eat whatever he can, you know. It doesn't matter. It's cat litter, cat turds. He likes to go in the litter box and sometimes get turd. Eh, just don't let him lick your face. But, he's out eating the, the, the kitty food that happened to be in the subwoofer silage. So, I got a shovel. I took some of it. I threw it down over the hill, over the pile of cat litter and, and um, and manure. So, anyway, then today, later today, or the other day, whenever I was doing this, yeah, it's probably well into the past by now, by the time you hear this, but he's eating the, the cat food that happened to be in the subwoofer. I say, Rudy, get out of there. Dubby, you're going to get sick. You know, there was probably, there might have been cat, uh, mouse droppings in with that. I don't know. There's still some in my subwoofer, but I put it against the wall or close to the wall and I hope for the best. Hopefully nothing else goes in there, ever. But I don't think I'll take that one anywhere else. It's just going to test it for a little bit. Yeah, you know, when you live on a farm, you get used to these type of things. It's a funny farm. You ever see that movie, Funny Farm? See, the problem is you'll know your age based on whether you know Funny Farm or not. Chevy Chase. Well, I was reading an article about Chevy Chase about a, a couple years ago where he got into a little traffic skirmish with a bunch of teenagers or young kids in their early 20s. And they chase him up and Chevy Chase gets in a skirmish with him. And he says, do you know who I am? I'm Chevy Chase. Now, what I always know about Chevy Chase is if you ask Bill Murray or some people on Saturday Night Live, he's kind of a real douchebag. You can't help it. You know, he got famous too quick, and some people who get famous, they get like that. I always liked him. I thought he was funny in the movies. So, we'll leave it be. He has the right to be a douchebag. But the kids are like, well, I looked at, had to look it up on the internet, and I still don't know who he is. So, <laughs> there you go. But, since most audiophiles are older, they'll probably find this amusing. For those of you younger, look it up. National Lampoon's Chevy Chase. Anyway, that being said, dogs are funny. You have enough dogs, you have lots of problems. Well, any pets, really. And especially if you're an audiophile. So if you're an audiophile and you have pets, tell me how you deal with it. Put it in the comments. I'd love to hear. You know, it's really difficult to be an audiophile with pets. You never know if they're going to ruin your stuff or not. So, that being said... I guess 
that's part of the storage issue is that if you have pets you have to properly store it so that your pets don't potentially ruin your audio file gear that are in storage especially if you have bigger dogs they like to chew on things you had a big dog named jack husky he was always missing wandering around town my mom finally picked him up off the street and brought him home couldn't find his owner didn't have any tags looked and looked for his owner no owner ever showed up so we ended up with the dog but i always wanted a husky so we got one we had a husky coonhound mix one time back in the past good dog we like to bite people so that didn't work out so well but this particular dog was friendly as could be and uh he um he was the sweetest dog but he liked to chew on things so when packages come to the house you know he's gnawing on your audio equipment or a book well that's the way it was and that's also what can happen when you put things in storage you have dogs you have cats anything can happen they can pee on it they can chew on it they can make your life absolutely miserable once you go to pull stuff back out or you get your belongings and that's not even count when it's set up same things can happen when it's set up so how do you deal with it love to hear about it finally comes time to test the system i have the sony dav x1v ready to test now it still has cat food some cat food in the subwoofer it's probably never going to come out of it i can't do anything about it okay it's got shelves in there or something it's got baffles and front and i don't know what it has in there it's got a lot of a lot of areas and a couple different woofers so cat food i'm pretty sure is a permanent fixture of the subwoofer but that's not going to keep me from using it uh, you can say oh well it doesn't sound like it's original well i can say it didn't sound that great to begin with so you know it still sounds pretty good especially for movies i'm not making that much sound with the subwoofer a little bit and it doesn't rattle around unless it's turned way up so i'm not going to worry about it i have other systems and we'll get to those but first let's test this one so I pulled the CDs out of it. Now I knew I was missing CDs and I was looking for them and I'm wondering where they're at. So I pull them out. I had a UB40, a Robert Palmer, uh, 20th Century Masters, Bon Jovi, New Jersey was in there. Um, RB Racky and the Jet City Swingers. Don't know if you guys know that one, but we're checking out. And I think there was maybe four discs out of the five in there. So, time to test. Which one am I going to test? I've been listening to a lot of Robert Palmer interviews, Robert Palmer old videos. I've been listening to a lot of Robert Palmer labels. So, and Power Station. The Power Station was a great band. It was uh, like lightning in the pan just for a little while. The guys from Duran Duran, the Taylors. Uh, and Robert Palmer and Tony Thompson. The other guys from Duran Duran went and did a, a 
a separate band while they were taking hiatus. This was about the time they did James Bond uh, theme song for In the Living Daylights. And uh, they formed a band called Arcadia during the time. Check that one out too. So anyway, I'm going to check out Robert Palmer, 20th Century Masters. And for you listeners on Anchor, and if you want, you can go check this out on Anchor. They allow you to put the music on from the music service and, uh, as a co-sponsor. And so we'll have some Robert Palmer play for you Anchor listeners. And for you that want to hear the Robert Palmer through the system, feel free to go on to Anchor and check it out there. Or you can stream it through your own music service. So, with no further ado, Robert Palmer. So, before we get back to our reviews... I would like to talk a little bit about Robert Palmer. He was a very smart and intelligent singer, songwriter. He um, studied the history of music, took a lot of things into account. He grew up in Malta. His uh, father, I believe, was um, in the military. He started playing and after Malta, some various UK pubs and those type of venues, but he was obviously listening to a lot of the soul music and James Brown. I really consider Robert Palmer a soul singer. He, um, yes, he got popular in the 80s with the big hits, uh, Simply Irresistible and um, Addicted to Love, which had the iconic videos with the um, dancing women band and um, those videos will resonate in our, our our minds for long to come and have influence over society and while society has changed from those things I think at the time I mean they were incredibly influential certainly was to me I was a young fairly young boy at the time um, you know six seven years old but um, certainly made an impression on, on me and, and, and many other people. And uh, that has stuck with me for the, over the years. But later on, I started to go back and look at Robert Palmer's other music and, and certainly his other earlier music, like Sneaking Sally Through the Alley and Sailing Shoes and, and those type of musics. And if you don't know those, you should really check them out. Um, see on YouTube I was watching look for Robert Palmer and James Brown and apparently Robert Palmer said he met James Brown in, a, in an airport and asked him for his autograph and that's how they met but um, when they were singing together you could tell they had a lot of mutual admiration and respect and um, Robert Palmer's solo career would take off but before he was really taking off. He was recording the album. He lived down in the Bahamas and uh, started recording the power station and Duran Duran was on a break and um, met with the Taylors and Tony Thompson and uh, they had started the project and I think 
one of the tailors had a, I forget if it was a guitarist or bassist, had a girlfriend and they played um, Get It On by Mark Bolin, who was with T-Rex, and uh, T-Rex did a great version of that, but it was much more mellow, and so they had planned it for the girlfriend, and she had broken up um, so they didn't move forward with that and they brought Robert Palmer and he got wind that they were playing it and he said can I sing it and he sung it extremely great and um, then they decided to do the whole album with them originally they thought it was going to be a rotating uh, set of singers doing the album but Robert Palmer just blew them away and they continued to do with that uh, unfortunately, they never toured because Robert Palmer was working on a solo stuff, solo stuff, and it was starting to, his his solo career was starting to take off, and he didn't want to tour. So they brought in Michael DeBar, uh, which, who, for you older folks that know, MacGyver played Murdoch, and. He was a pretty good singer. He was an all right singer, but you know, when you're comparing to Robert Palmer, it wasn't really anywhere close. I was reading on one of these boards and someone said it's like, it's like, you know, you have Joe Montana and Robert Palmer and, and uh, you know, Ryan Leaf is Michael DeBar, but um, he, he was a good performer too. And Michael DeBar knew, um, Don Johnson of Miami Vice, and so the band appeared, Power Station appeared on Miami Vice uh, a number of years later, I forget what, year 90, in the 90s, sometime before Robert Palmer died. Um, they ended up recording another album, which a lot of reviewers and critics don't like, but if you listen to it, it's actually pretty good overall. Um, Maybe there's some choices that they shouldn't have made, but for the most part, it's it's a pretty good album. But it doesn't really compare to the first one um, with the Power Station. We'll talk more about the Power Station in a little bit. Quick apology and note: um, in the podcast, I accidentally saw it said John's child instead of John's children. Um, I apologize for that. I will probably fix it as soon as I can, but I'm dealing with slow internet in oral Pennsylvania, so it may take me a little while to fix. Okay, thank you. Duran Duran was a great band, but they were a particular kind of 80s pop bands that was mainly into using synthesizers and and appealing to a certain crowd of the time and um, that type of music even for uh, artists in their in their 20s as it gets bigger and bigger can get a little um, fatiguing let's say so John Taylor the bassist and uh, and Andy Taylor uh, guitarist branched off um, from the singer of Duran Duran and, and Roger Taylor, 
they were no relations, these tailors. They, they weren't related to each other, just shared a common name. So, um, Roger Taylor and the singer went and formed Arcadia, and uh, John Taylor and uh, Andy Taylor um, dealing with Tony Thompson, and they're forming the power station. But they expected to be rotating singers. But then once uh, Robert Palmer got a wind of doing it, uh, he sang it, and and that was it. I mean, he did such a, a powerful version of Get It On, uh, Bang a Gong, um, which was recorded by T-Rex and, and Mark Bowen. We should talk about um, Mark Bowen just a little bit. Uh, in many ways, it seemed as somewhat of a genius of his of his instrument, but also promotion and and um, doing outrageous acts. Um, at the time, uh, he had formed a band that's called John's Child, which is known because they got barred in the UK or they got censored in the UK. Um, and the vinyl collectors go and look for uh, John Child record because um, they're rare. And it's because it was censored, so not too many of them were produced and not too many of them are around anymore. So for a lot of vinyl collectors, that's like their, their holy grail um, of what they're looking for. But they... John's child played with the Who, and they upstaged the Who, and they were they were doing even more obscene things than the Who was at the time, which was known for Who was known for breaking their guitars, but um, they, they John's child was breaking things and going out and getting in arguments. God, so I, I kind of imagine kind of like in that day and age, kind of like Guns N' Roses at their peak, you know, where Axl Rose would fly into the audience and get a fight with an audience or something like that. So, you know, they're really pushing the limit of um, that rock and roll band genre. The, the Who dismissed them from their thing because they, they started a riot, I suppose, at one of their concerts, and The Who never got to play. They never came on. Um, so that was Mark Bowen. And then later they did T-Rex and um, get it on. During the video, they had girl on a motorcycle, I think, with her head, you know, kind of, uh, or, you know, shooting out the back of the motorcycle, and she's driving along, and there's, like, a power lines in the background, so I, I believe that's where they probably got the idea for calling it the power station. Power station's own video, they have a girl serving them, and Robert Palmer's reading newspaper, and he's singing, and it's, they're going back and forth, and she's gets her head lit on fire and she's gyrating around and um, in the background there's actually planes flying around actually around the Twin Towers which this is years before the 9-11 so didn't have any effect on that but um, you know looking back at it it's kind of stunning with the, these um, they weren't large jets but they were they were like fighter jets maybe like Japanese kamikaze type uh, fighting it on it that's a it's a pretty visually striking um, video, um, and then they also did some like it hot and 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 these music is so outstanding because you get Tony Thompson's drum and he's just he's heavy handed on the drums in in such a way that um, you know it's just the it's just driving the music um, and. 
Led Zeppelin actually, when they reunited, they have John Bonham to be the uh, drummer. They wanted Tony Thompson, and and Tony Thompson with a band called Schick, uh, and 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 that had made quite an impression. And so he was a very pursued um, session drummer and drummer at the time. And then uh, John Taylor, um, his bass lines are so rhythmically exciting I mean they're just you know they're really driving the music too and hear it on that and um, especially on Get It On you have you have that right up front Andy Taylor was a was a great guitarist if you listen to some of his licks and you listen to some of his arrangement I mean they're just incredible really well put together and so if you listen to them on different systems um, I didn't really mention it in here I have an old Onkyo from 1996 versus that Denon X3500. Uh, the Denon, you know, it's pretty good in the guitar area, but maybe not as heavy in the bass. And then you listen to the Onkyo, it's just got more bass and more more drev. And I think it's more representative of the band, at least for the power station. Um, so, you know, it's a point here. It really matters what system you listen on to, 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 um, get a sense of the music, you know, um, at least those 2.1 systems, they don't really do it justice, um, it's too much in the mid-range and not enough into the, uh, into the bass, uh, areas that's, that's really necessary, it doesn't have that roundness, um, and fullness that you can get from, uh, the other speakers, and I kind of like it with these Polk S20s, um, the Elacs are nice, and uh, for both of them, because I was sitting lower, I had to turn the speakers upside down to get the tweeter stuck at me. But, you know, you have that woofer and it's uh, really growling. But um, I get some good separation with these Polk. And um, I listen to it uh, streaming. And then I'm like, oh, you know, I better buy the vinyl because I think I will um, get the vinyl record. And so I, I purchased the vinyl record and it wasn't overly cheap. You can find it at the right price, but I wanted to make sure I got a mint one, so it was, I think with shipping is almost $20, and I, I probably could have got it for less, maybe $10, uh, $12 with shipping. Um, the only thing I can say is uh, some of the some of the trebly parts uh, can be kind of harsh on the vinyl, um, so you got to kind of tone into that and watch what speakers are using. The, the drums and the bass line are so great. Robert Palmer's vocals are real great. And I, I think Get It On is one of those songs that you you may need to look at a vocal sheet. But if you have a really good system, you can tell what he's saying. But it, the, the lyrics, if you've never heard them before, aren't necessarily obvious. Um, if you've heard it before, then you know them and you love them. And it's 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 a, it's a really great thing. But the whole album of the, the, the other songs, like Murderous and Communication, it's... it's um, there, the whole album has has great tunes on it. It's a short album, but um, it's it's well worth checking it out. And I think I think uh, any listener that hasn't really listened to it before would be uh, well served by by paying attention to it and listening to it. And I think there's a lot of people that are underestimated the Taylor's John and. 
all of them because all members of Duran Duran because Duran Duran was looked at that kind of band that was very popular at the time and they did their um, like Rio and you know very melodic driven but synthesizer pop and I you know uh, you see the videos of doing with uh, House of uh, Style with Cindy Crawford and stuff and they, they can be underestimated when they're really great musicians and they were young at the time they were only in their 20s and they they just got to be better musicians at time and you know to go and look at what they've done later is, is also very interesting. So it's um, getting late here and I'm getting tired so um, I'm gonna wrap this uh, particular initial test of this podcast up that uh, anybody that hears this or sees it to um, contact me and and perhaps we can add to this podcast because I would like to find out more uh, and talk more um, about uh, storage of equipment and um, what people do to secure their equipment uh, properly and how they prevent, um, you know, Problems with the storage uh, from happening, especially maybe with since we talked about um, animals getting in, and uh, if there's a particular arrangement or labeling uh, people do with their storage units or or household storage for their audio file or audio equipment. Um, this particular equipment wasn't very expensive, and it. It's, uh, had served the purpose at a time of my life, um, but it's not something that I was incredibly disappointed that got ruined because I have better equipment now, and um, I continue to upgrade my equipment and, and bring equipment in for reviews, so um, the main reason I wanted to get it out was to see, you know, what does a 2.1 sound system sound like in comparison to a full-blown receiver amplifier system with um, some good quality but inexpensive speakers nowadays, you know. And I I looked at some other uh, recordings, which I'll add to this podcast or review later. Um, But reach out to me, and um, I'm going to see if some of you have some input um, and stories to tell, and maybe we can add them to this podcast. Uh, I'd really uh, appreciate the and to um, listen to your stories and possibly uh, put that content on for other listeners later.